0: Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast, brought to you by Strata. I'm your host, Griffin Hamilton. This is the show where I interview industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights into modern day facilities management. From hospitality to commercial real estate and everything in between, we'll learn what it really takes to succeed as a facilities manager. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Today is the fourth and final recording with John and Lit from BMOC, and if you haven't already, I would encourage you to go check out the first three episodes of this mini-series. But John, Lit, thanks for joining once again. Our pleasure.
1: Thanks for having us, Griffin.
0: Well, as a uh, quick recap, the first, uh, first three episodes, we had an introduction to uh, overall asset uh, management program and what a CMMS is uh, John what are we what are we going over today
1: uh, today we'll talk about once you get the data in the system uh, you know you've got your data structure set up and, and the data in the system what is the what are uh, how do you start moving forward with the information and and getting uh, that getting your uh, organizational culture centered around consuming data and maintaining data with uh, as little effort as possible just integrating it into those workflows
0: yeah and and from that uh i know that during this series we've gone over you know the importance of a cmms uh and the data entry there so going on to you know closing out the work orders speak to that and how crucial that is in this process
1: yeah so Again, CMMS applications—they um, can support asset management, but not everybody uses them to support asset management. So, in order to make to have the CMMS be a, uh, an, a crucial part of your asset management program, it all starts with work order closeout. We've—it's this has been kind of a common theme throughout our discussion. Um, work order closeout is so important. Uh, and again, what we've seen in our work is that organizations. Definitely, do labor association to work orders pretty well. They do a moderately good job at materials association to work orders, uh, but they do uh, probably the most spotty job with uh, with asset management leveraging the work orders. So, to do asset management, you must be assigning assets to work orders, and when you're developing your asset data structure. Um, It really starts there because you have to create an approach where you have a chance to assign 100% of your work orders uh, to assets. And to do that, you have to have 100% of your building captured in your asset data. So you should have an asset record um, that that covers 100% of the building. Now, this is something something I probably should have listed in the last segment uh, on hierarchy, but uh, one of the, again, we have that golden mean. Um, one, one of the things we don't recommend is having system assets in as asset records. So we would not recommend having all your air handling units and fans as assets and then having an HVAC system asset for that building because that's going to, Create problems when it comes to closing out your work orders. In, in, inevitably, you're going to have some people, out of expediency, that assign a work order that's supposed to go to one of those fans to the system level work order, or to the to the system level asset, I should say, and that that creates problems. So you want to minimize the number of redundant assets. Now you're going to have some redundancies, but not really. Uh, you're going to have parent child assets. Uh, you're going to have some assets that are set up. To deal with aggregated work orders, like if you're doing fan coil replacements, you need to have each of those fan coil units in the system. But you might—it's also a good idea to have a uh, a wing or a system asset for the fan coils, so you don't have to. Say you have 400 fan coil units in a building, uh, it can be laborious to have a work order for each each PM for those. So sometimes you need to set up a provisional asset for for mass work like that. But Outside of those exceptions, uh, your bill your building should, the assets for your building should co- give 100% coverage with as little overlap as possible. And th- and in this way, you can, you can have a fighting chance at closing out your work orders with assets appended. Um, you also need to have, uh, good, uh, standards on what is listed on the work order at closeout. So, uh, what was done, uh, you know, and then, Obviously if you've got follow-up work orders, those need to be uh, appropriately tracked. Um, <clears throat> the most uh, the biggest challenge here would be corrective maintenance work orders. So preventive maintenance work orders presumably you're going to have the asset appended proactively, but for corrective maintenance work orders, it has to be done retroactively. So uh, you have to have a, a workflow and a communication structure set up to where that asset can be appended to the work order. Uh, and again, we've talked a little bit about uh, mobile applications—your phone, a tablet, what have you. These systems should be used for work order closeout when it, when they can improve the efficiency of it. Um, so try to leverage that when you can. Just note that uh, don't take for granted that everybody's going to be able to use a mobile device. Uh, plan on training your staff. Plan on giving them support. Um, understand that internet connectivity can be an issue. Uh, And it can knock them out of the system or create some headaches, so uh, just just uh, give them proper support there. So work order closeout—that's where that that really should be the ultimate goal. And then you should have uh, uh, quality assurance uh, uh, procedures uh, designed around work order closeout. You should have compliance parameters. Um, and then you should have, I, I suggest it, if your organization can fund an asset management programming function internally, that one of their charges be work order closeout analysis and quality assurance. And uh, a KPI should be a certain percentage of work orders with assets, materials, and labor assigned um, and, and, and good descriptions because asset histories are so important. This is one of the ways you can motivate your staff. Uh, to use these systems is keeping good asset histories. That way, if they're doing troubleshooting, they can actually go to the work order history and get some good valuable information.
0: Who, who did that PM or that corrective maintenance? When was it last done? What were you know, the step-by-step uh, instructions on what was done previously? Uh, yeah, that certainly makes it a lot more efficient as they go and troubleshoot once again.
1: Oh yeah. Am I fixing something that a new emergent problem or am I coming back and fixing something that someone else has tried to hack at already? Am I fixing someone else's fix? <laughs> so, I mean, these are all things that, that are valuable information. Who did this work? I mean, uh, techs know each other. They know the quality of work uh, different techs apply. If it was someone who came in before them that may have been new, or someone who uh, they don't see uh, performs, uh, you know, the highest quality work, that might tell them a lot of the information that they need. Um, so it's important to have it.
0: Yeah, and you can kind of nail down, you know, staffing issues there as well with that type of history, and uh, it kind of makes a good segue on you know, what this data, having wrapped it up in in the system, what that allows you to do and moving on using that data from a staffing perspective, uh, speak to that.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, it's just, again, you can't have a data driven culture if you're not actively consuming the data and you're encouraging the consumption of the data. So, um, get everybody hungry for data. It's okay, uh, to have it. In fact, I would argue that, uh, it is being a data driven culture is going to be better for the organization's longevity uh, because as the old staff retires out and ages out, um, and you're bringing in younger staff and you need to attract them uh, to come to your organization to be a part of it. If you can demonstrate that your organization consumes data. It's going to be a much more attractive environment for them to work in because the younger generation, they don't want to do anything unless they have some sort of assurance that what they do is going to have the results that they are seeking. And to do that, you really have to have data. Um, you've got to be able to look at work order histories. You've got to be able to look at troubleshooting guides. You've got to be able to do these things. Um, And the CMMS can afford them some authority authoritative source of technical information. And that's a, that's a big benefit. I mean, you can list that on your hiring benefits for, for new staff. It's like, Hey, listen, we're, we're supporting you. Um, And, you know, Again, you're going to have some curmudgeon-y people that don't want to d- get uh, get with this program, but um, they're also not going to be there forever. Uh, so you need to yeah. you need to plan for that.
0: I, I've seen anywhere up to fifty percent of the FM um, talent pool currently is going to be retiring within the next five to seven years, and I half jokingly tell people whenever they don't utilize a system, they are not documenting the data. Do you want to retire in peace, or do you want these calls from your replacement in your retirement? Of hey, what <laughs> happened here? You know, yeah. you know, if you're not documenting it, that you know the company has to keep you know up and running. And if you're the only one that knows it, and the only way place that information is hosted is the back of your mind, then you're going to have a uh, a retirement that isn't very fun, or you're going to leave your company kind of out to dry, um, and yeah. then with a lot of bla- bad blood behind you. Exactly. And and to your point with this, uh, you know, this new talent pool coming in, they're going to want to be in an organization where they've got it together. They've got this data collected and they could actually do their job. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it is the I heard someone say that data is lubrication and it really is. It really is. But the the organization has to uh, know that and look at the data in and of itself as an asset. Um <clears throat> Another thing that <clears throat> the data affords the organization is the ability to engage their staff in important maintenance decisions. So um, it's one thing to have uh, a technician come in and sit down and tell you how we, they think the maintenance programming is too much or, uh, you know, let's just use that example. It's, it's, it's just overkill. It's another thing uh, for them to uh, tell you using a report. And saying, come in, hey, look, we've done uh, this many hours of maintenance on it, and we haven't had any issues whatsoever. Can we start paring back our maintenance schedule for this? Let's just do it back this, and we'll do it provisionally, and we'll test it out, and we'll look at the data again. Um, That's really how that should work. Or we haven't had any alarms, we haven't had this, that, or the other thing. Um, Now, obviously, you need to do the routine maintenance, but uh, you can rally around the data and have these conversations where everybody walks away with some confidence in the in the result, yeah. and th- and that's reliability centered maintenance, right? We're, we're talking about uh, we're getting into failure modes, failure codes, and you can you can then once you get this asset data in, and your 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 culture is consuming the data, then you can start uh, elevating your game into these areas, <clears throat> and even getting into PM pro- programs and saying. Okay, well, what are we, uh, what failure mode are we tending to here? Do we need this? Do we not need this? Does our FDD system give us this data now? Does it not give it, you know, can, is there some sort of technology we can implement that will do this uh, automatically <clears throat> and, and we don't need to go out there? Um, so you can get into those conversations. Um, and then, you know, there's other things uh, as you move down the road, uh, there's lockout tag out. Um, controlling that. There's shutdown notification and, and alerts that you can set up. Um, managing warranties. Uh, there's some CMMS applications out there that I've seen that actually give you a flag when uh, the, the unit is under warranty still, which I think is pretty cool. Um, they've also There's also some that give you a flag if the unit is past its expected life cycle. Um, so you can act, they actually push that information forward to you, so you can make these repair decisions on the fly. Um, integrating condition based monitoring and fault detection and diagnostics into maintenance. Um, one thing that Litt and I see is that the if if an organization puts out some of this I um, I O T or artificial intelligence uh, sort of signaling proactive um, condition monitoring. They implement it. It gets uh, it gets uh, partitioned out into an energy management endeavor when it's not just that it's it's a maintenance. It, the maintenance organization can benefit from it tremendously. So integrate these technologies into your maintenance program. The challenge with that can be that in a portfolio of buildings, you've got, you know, 10 percent of them that have a high FDD deployment um level and then the rest of your buildings are still these old crusty buildings um so there's some gradient there you have to manage and deal with but again develop some sort of a scale scalable approach there and try to uh try to manage it um we talked about reliability centered maintenance and failure modes and um one of the things we've also been talking about been talking about is in the past since you know, COVID is getting to a point where it's manageable. I'm not going to say it's completely gone yet. Obviously, we've got some places with numbers uh, that are going up. Uh, but um, when it comes to disasters, um, having anything uh, that you can program in where you get an automatic work order for something you need to do in the case of a disaster um, or some sort of an event um where er- different positions get work orders uh, pushed to them and they can immediately go out and start uh, battening down the hatches, if you will. Um, lastly, just talking about the asset investiture process. So once the system is developed, once the data is uh, consuming, I mean, once the organization's consuming the data, there's always going to be the problem with the asset investiture. Uh, when you're adding new buildings um, and and this will be a bit controversial if we save the controversial part to the end where, uh, but uh, you know, that we've been um, working in this industry for a long time and we've seen and the word uh, and building information modeling has been applied uh, just in all markets, all industries. Um, and uh, we've been hearing about it for, you know, it's been around just, uh, heavily for over 15 years i would say uh and and this is the concept of while the building is being built um data is managed in this model building information model and at the end when the construction project is turned over the data just automatically goes into operations But but this process has been such a, it's just some organizations have success with it. Some don't. I mean, we've seen organizations that took the time and they developed their BIM standards. And this is how the design team has to (coughs) build the building. And uh, they have to do use these nomenclatures and they have to use these uh, classifications, categorizations, whatever. But at the end of the job, that data is not ready. Uh, It just doesn't go into the system. Um, and not to mention, uh, also during that whole process, you've had countless hands on the data, if any, at all. Um, and sometimes it's so many hands that it people that the organization lose track, loses track if the data has been kept up at all, because think about it, that model has to transition from the design team to the construction team, and then to operations to the owner. And who knows there's a lot of people hitting, there's a lot of points of failure in that time. And what we usually see is that if it if the organization gets any data at all, it's six months to two years after that construction project's turned over. It's not currently at a place where it is just a slam dunk, right? You can't just, oh, we're having the contractor doing it. Oh, we're having the commissioning agent, commissioning agent do it. Building a building is tough. Commissioning a building is tough. Making it work is tough. Uh, it's, a, it's a task in and of itself. Um, the idea that, oh, we'll just get them to capture the data as they're going, it's, the, it's pretty much the same pitfall as, oh, we're just going to have our HVAC do it, techs do it for our existing buildings. Don't forget that they have other things to do. Uh, and, and they're on the hook for it. And they're very complicated. So when the job's turned over and they finally got that building working, They've done all their punch list items. Don't be surprised if the asset data is not even close to being ready. <laughs> so, anyway, um, we we're making we make an appeal to the marketplace that it's actually much cheaper if you have a, have an uh, uh, an organization that's focused on this process, um, and that's what what we do as a company. Obviously, however when we've seen organizations have success with the BIM data transfer for new construction, it's because they have the asset management function compartmentalized internally, and they can go out and do all the work. They do the field verification. They can be very efficient at doing it. They don't bother any of the subcontractors with it. They don't bother the commissioning agent with it. They don't have any of these uh, speed bumps, if you will, precluding them from getting their data on the, on time. So they have, uh, and and this organization may be getting some information secondhand, but ultimately they're going out and field verifying it. And if you're getting secondhand data or data from a, a, a data transfer, you have to go field verify it. And guess what? If you're having to go field verify it, you might as well have just ca- captured it firsthand anyway, because that's where the time really is. The costly time is there. So um, I just what we see in the market is that this is still a big problem. Um, Lit at University of Iowa, you had the turnover work group that was focused on solving problems like this. And, and what is your perception as to uh, how it's gone? I mean, that was like, that was seven years ago.
0: It was uh, seven years ago. And uh, the uh, two uh, test projects we did went extremely well, uh, but it was not codified in their normal operations. And uh, that experiment just died the vine, which is really disappointing. So it went back to the traditional method of you've got the building construction and you have building operations, and there is no bridge between them. Uh, But don't get me started on that uh, general work group thing. Uh, It's sorely needed. And that's a subject for another podcast there, Griffin. That it is. And I, to wrap it up, um, uh, again, can't tell you guys, uh, how much I appreciate the, the four different times coming on the show. Uh, great content, really helpful for our listeners out there. And, uh, before I let you guys run, John, why don't you tell us where we find your information and more information on BMOC?
1: Oh, sure. Um, so, uh, our websites, uh, BM, uh, buildingmoc.com, building as in just building and then, uh, M, uh, Montana O Oscar C charlie.com. Uh, that's, that's our organization's website. Um, see some of the work we've done up there and some of our services, uh, and also get our contact information, um, contact us directly, but yeah.
0: Perfect. Well, I'll, I'll put a, I'll, I'll link, uh, your information to the uh, show notes, For all four uh, episodes that we've done. And uh, once again, uh, to the listeners, I hope you enjoyed uh, these four weeks as much as I did. And looking forward to having you guys back. All right. right. Looking forward to the next time. All All right. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and visit our website, stratumcommunity.com for more facilities management content.